That was such great singing. I'm sure the preaching won't add up to that. Wow. That was good. Amen. Boy, both groups. You know, I got to thinking, um, I, you know, I've watched those young people up here singing, and I don't know about you, but I'd want that for my young person. I'd want them surrounded with leadership like you saw here. I'd want them to be uh, in a place where they can share their talents with people of God and in the house of God and serving the Lord himself and I don't know, if you're a young family today and you've got children, I'll tell you what, there's a benefit to staying faithful in God's house. Uh, that doesn't happen by chance. I'm not saying those are perfect teenagers, trust me. But anyway, I'm just saying, however, that, boy, I'll tell you what, that's, a, that's, a, that's all right. And if, if that's real in their lives, which I, I see evidence of that in their lives. I, I know, again, I know that teenagers are teenagers, but, boy, I'll tell you what, those girls right there are, are really, I'll tell you, that's, that's special right there. And I just want to encourage you. You know what? You, you, gotta, you, you, you have to work at that, okay? Keep your family in church. Encourage them to stay consistent and faithful in ministry. And you do that best by you being plugged in and giving them a tremendous example. Uh, you know, that's, it, I don't want to go into it anymore. I'll forget. I've, I'm already running late, right? And I told you I'd get you out of here on time. And I think, you know, we're done by 1 o'clock. And so, <laughs> take your Bible, turn over to 2 Corinthians. We're dealing with making it simple, right? We're talking about making it simple. And uh, today we want to talk about the result. What's the result of making it simple? And so let's go ahead and read our passage, and we're going to go ahead and get into it. Uh, we've, we've addressed a number of things. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the intro now as a result, but we've already talked about the, the reason why we should strive for simplicity and we said, well, it pleases God. And we said it promotes productivity, that it promises purpose. And 
So many things we, we note, and, and that's important, okay? That's the reason, but we also talked about the recipe. How in the world are we going to simplify? What steps do we need to take? And we said, well, you need to eliminate clutter. You need to exercise communication. You need to embrace contentment. Well, those are areas that we discussed, we dealt with over the course of a couple of weeks. And so today we're going to continue our study by dealing with the topic of the results of simplification. What will be the result once we simplify? So let's go ahead and read our text here today in 2 Corinthians. We're going to begin in in chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through her subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now again, we spent a lot of time dealing with this intro over the course of the weeks. And we know that the Apostle Paul was under attack. And that in order to, uh, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of those that he had already witnessed to and shared with, he begins to share some things. And he says, now you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. You're going to have to put up with some things here. I'm going to say some things about myself so that my credibility is not completely and totally destroyed and dismantled. Because I do care about the people of God. And I don't want them to go off the deep end fearing that their leadership has failed them somehow or is a failure himself. And so he's going to go ahead and deal with some of those things. But in the end, when it's all said and done, his greatest concern for them is that he could present them a chaste virgin to Christ when the Lord returns. His, so, his goal was so, so clear. His desire was so strong. He wanted the people of God to be pure and holy and clean so that when Christ appeared again, when he came back for his church, it would be a pristine church, a pure church, a church that enjoyed the power of God because of its purity in Christ. So the Apostle Paul points out this fact. He says, listen, one of the problems is is that things get muddied, that the waters get muddied, if you will, religiously muddied even, that there are those Judaizers and there's those others that have come along and try to add works to salvation, to try to make things complicated when it's really not complicated. And he's saying, listen, you need to be extremely careful, church, and you need to be sure that you are not corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. It's simple, he's saying. It's not complicated. And I don't want you to overcomplicate the simple and ultimately lose sight of the goal and fail in your fellowship. And so nonetheless, we have noted, as I said already, the reason. We noted the recipe. Today we want to focus on the result. The result. Again, the the real emphasis today is on that phrase, the simplicity that is in Christ. When it's all said and done, simplicity is found in Christ. And again, we have spent a lot of time trying to say some things and, and try to build a case for simplicity. But when it's all said and done, if you want simplicity in your life, it will revolve around the Lord Jesus Christ. And that simplicity is a tremendous benefit to you, your family, and everyone else you come into contact with. Simplicity doesn't always mean easy. It doesn't always mean effortless. That's for sure. It doesn't always mean quick or fast. But boy, I'll tell you what, the benefits are wonderful. So let's consider the result of simplification today. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll do that. Father, we thank you for this time together. We're asking for your leadership and your love in these next few moments. Bless us now. And Lord, if there be any without Christ, would they, Father, recognize their need of Jesus? Holy Spirit of God, you do the convicting. Father, I am so 
unable, unworthy. But Lord, you are worthy and you are so capable. May you bring conviction. May you bring change to lives today. Well, thank you in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, the result. Simplicity promotes serenity. It's going to happen. You're going to have peace. It it produces a peace in our life even. Um, That's all there is to it. I I have dealt with a number of people through the years, and unfortunately, sometimes folks make bad financial decisions. And boy, those bad financial decisions begin to weigh heavy in their life. I mean, they've got a credit card that's maxed out. They've got another credit card maxed out. They've got something from Kohl's and something from Staples and something from, from who knows where else and just off the charts, all the way up, can't borrow another dime, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 in debt, all these different credit cards, all these different uh, bills, all these different people that they owe money to. And boy, I'll tell you what, it gets complicated and it gets difficult and it's very hard to function when you have all of that burden over your head. And sometimes it's easier, you think, if, if I could just have one payment, Instead of having six or eight or ten different people, creditors that I owe, if I could only have one. And they came up years ago with something called a consolidation loan. And they would try to kind of put them all together. Now listen, don't run out and just get one. you got to be very careful. Some of those guys and gals are shysters too. But the fact is, is that, boy, how much simpler things get when you remove the clutter. When all of a sudden you can take all of those and put them under the umbrella of a loan that is far less interest, uh, far, far less, with, with far less interest per, per, uh, uh, per year and also only one payment. That can really unmuddy waters quickly. That can bring a peace to you knowing you only have one bill versus multiple bills. Only have one person calling you asking for money instead of 10 people calling you asking for money. Now, uh, I'm just saying sometimes You'll be surprised how quickly, not just in finances, but in every area of your life, if you can get rid of the clutter in your life, it will bring a peace and a serenity that will certainly last in your life. The Bible tells us over in the book of 1 Corinthians 14, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. He's not the author of confusion, but of peace. We have talked about this in the past. We bring it up from time to time. I think it's so important and so invaluable to understand that if there is chaos and confusion in our lives, our homes, our marriages, that is not God's doing. Because God is not the author of confusion. He does not want confusion in your life. He doesn't want it in your home. He doesn't want it in your family. And yet so many times we allow it in our lives. Hey, I'll tell you who the confusion's coming from. It's the devil. John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. Boy, the Lord would come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. But the devil is not about your life being abundant. It's about your life being abandoned. God doesn't want anything good for you in your life. He doesn't want anything good for your family. The devil wants nothing for you like that. And the truth is, is that sometimes we help the devil in these areas. We create confusion in our lives. We add things into our lives and promote things in our lives and, and, and do things in our lives that creates this element of total chaos and confusion. Simplicity promotes serenity. You find simplicity in your life, you will have peace in your life. In Acts chapter 16, turn there, would you please? Look at these characters. 
Now, I don't know how in the world uh, some people get through life and they, have such, they face such difficulties. But, but it's interesting to note that it's not always the ones that face the most difficulties that are falling apart. It's usually not the ones that are facing the most difficulty, especially if they're Christians. It's amazing how simplicity in a life brings clarity and focus. Notice what happens in the book of Acts. We, of course, are dealing with a couple of veterans, if you will. It says, And the multitude rose up together, chapter 16, verse 22, against them. We're going to see here in just a moment, Acts chapter 16, verse 22, that we are dealing with Paul, the apostle Paul. Notice, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. That doesn't sound like a good day at all. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. They had been beaten, they'd been abused, they'd been mistreated. Now they're being cast into the deepest, darkest dungeon. Their feet and their, they're, they're being placed in stocks and they're being left there, so to speak, to rot. And at midnight, verse 25, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. I mean to tell you, here they are having a prayer meeting. They're praising God and lifting up pray, prayers to the Lord. And I mean to tell you, they're not doing it silently. They're not undercover Christians in the least. They're out there doing it visibly and they're doing it vocally and they are certainly being heard, as it says here, by the other prisoners. I don't know about you, but what I do know is that in most of our cases, that would seem like a very complicated problem. But may I say that things were not as complicated for Paul and Silas as you may imagine. They were very single-minded. Their allegiance was to one and only one, Jesus Christ. They were most concerned with pleasing him above all else. And we, we often find ourselves overwhelmed with, with so many things. And, and they could have easily said, I'm overwhelmed with this situation. I mean, I have a schedule to keep and I've got people to take care of. I've got responsibilities. And yet here I am in a dungeon. Not only have I been beaten, not only have I been put in stocks, but now I can't even fulfill my calling, can't do what I'm supposed to do. Hey, they understood something very important that many of us miss. It's not our job to set our own schedule. It is his life to do as he pleases with. Paul and Silas found a reality in their life that most of us will never come into contact with, that Christ has a right to do with us as he pleases. And they were able to rest and they were able to praise God and they were able to find peace in the midst of a chaotic situation because they could trust in the God who placed them there. See, theirs was a simple life. Very simple life. And it was a life of obedience that permitted God to do with them as he pleased. Again, life was simple. God, you want me in a prison? Well, then I guess that's exactly where I belong. You say, well, that was, they were unjustly treated. It was wrong for that to happen. Oh, it might have been wrong, but it was a right because it was exactly what God wanted. 
And because of their allegiance to Christ, because of their focus on the Lord, they were willing to accept that. Remember what we said. They they removed the clutter. They didn't listen to a bunch of voices that said, you deserve a nice house, Paul. You deserve a comfortable living space. You deserve to be taken care of. You should be honored, Paul, by your commitment and your sacrifice. You shouldn't have to be beaten. You shouldn't have to go through that difficulties. Oh, by the way, Paul, not only should, not only that, but, but Paul, you deserve the best things in life. And he says, oh, what I deserve is what Christ gave me. Why? Because I removed the clutter. I don't care about a house and I don't care about clothing and I don't care about all the benefits of being older and mature. I care about serving God and pleasing the Lord. My life is simple because I focus on him only, not me, not you, not them. Hey, by the way, he says, you know what? I'm content in whatsoever state I am because we said contempt. What did we say about being content? It brings simplicity. He said, I'm content with this. I'm okay with it because he's okay with it. You say, well, that, that's, that's kind of tough. Yeah, well, he also was in communication with the Lord and God was speaking to him and he was speaking to God and there was a relationship there and he heard the voice of God and he felt the presence of God in his life, even in that cell, even down there in that prison, if you will, locked in those stocks and after being beaten and in pain, severe pain, I'm sure, Paul could say, you know what? It's real simple what I do. I just obey the Lord. I just preach the gospel. I just do whatever he says, whatever, whenever he says it, I'll do whatever he wants. That's it. It's simple. I'm telling you that he found peace in the midst of the chaos and confusion. The reason he could still praise God and the reason he could still pray to God instead of getting bitter at God was because his life was very simple. It was all about the Lord, his master. It had nothing to do with him or his aspirations, or his goals had everything to do with God's desire. I know that that doesn't fit well in our culture. It doesn't look good on a resume today in life. But I'm going to tell you something. That's how Christianity ought to be lived. I'm not saying I got it all figured out, my friend. But the Apostle Paul obviously did, and so did Silas. And boy, they are our examples, and we ought to be striving to be like that. And Jesus Christ being the greatest example, willing to leave heaven and come to earth and be treated horribly, wretchedly by his own creation, and yet he willingly went to the cross. His life was not complicated either, was it? He knew why he was here. He had found purpose. He had purpose. And in fulfilling that purpose, he found peace even in the midst of chaos, confusion, and even hurt and harm. Simplicity promotes serenity. Again, I didn't say that it was always the easiest life. I didn't always say it was the, the, I just said it was simple. Not only that, but simplicity provides stability. Not only does it provide serenity or peace, but it provides stability. Now, I I mean, I I had four children, and and there were times, you know... uh, and my wife was really good about putting things away. She was real good about redding up the house. I appreciated that immensely. There have been a few times, though, that I got up and decided to go out into the, the living room for whatever reason or go get something to drink in the kitchen, and there happened to be some toys on the ground or something that was left behind, maybe. Boy, I'm walking along, and I'm stepping on something. Ow! And I'm tripping. I'm... No one's ever had that happen, Right? Now listen, I mean, I don't care how good a mom you are. I don't care how great a, a, a housekeeper you are. There's going to be problems. When you got kids, you're going to have some things going on like that. And I still remember, boy, the, the footing was not so stable at times. You had to watch where you're walking maybe, especially during the day when the kids are out playing. You go downstairs, you're like, hey, honey, how's it going? Whoa! 
No, pudding not too stable. You got to watch that. So what do you have to do? You got to get rid of the clutter, right? You get rid of the clutter. You remove all of those obstacles. Your pudding's more stable. Simplicity brings stability. It brings stability. By the way, you find a stable person, you're going to find someone who knows where they're going in life. They're going to, have a, they're going to know where they're going. They've identified their purpose, as we talked about already. They fine-tune their practice already. They know, what, why they're going, they know what they're doing and why they're doing it. James chapter 1, verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know, that double-minded man is confused because he's listening to too many voices. He's got too many options. He hasn't identified why God placed him on this planet. He doesn't understand what his responsibility is to the Creator God. May I say today, again, as believers, simplicity will provide us stability because as we draw closer to Christ, we're going to find simplicity. As we give God, we communicate with God, and as we allow ourselves to get rid of the clutter in our lives because His voice is more important than any other voice. When we eliminate the options of what we can do, what we can't do, where we can go, where we can't go, when we begin to look at the Word of God and it defines all of those things for us, it brings simplicity to our life. And that simplicity will bring stability. You say, I want a stable life. Well, then you have to get rid of a lot of things probably that cause you to be unstable everywhere you turn. You're like, whoa, I'm stepping, oh, I'm stepping on that, I'm stepping on that. No, you got to clear it out. you got to get rid of it. Simplicity provides stability. I think about the Word of God, and um, you think about 1 Corinthians 3.11. It says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Well, I tell you, you want some stability, you better plant your feet on a solid rock. See, we're reading too many how-to books, and we're not reading the how-to book. I mean, God does have the answers, and I'm going to tell you, as a couple, as parents... As leaders, whatever area you're in, I don't care, as employees, as employers, whatever the place is in life, I promise you, he has answers for you. He can outline what it is you're to be doing, how you're to be doing it, and why you're to do it. It simplifies life. It simplifies life. And a simple life is a stable life. It's a stable life. You know, it's amazing to me how many marriages are falling apart in America. Can I tell you marriage is not complicated? It is not complicated. I am so sick of hearing people talk about how complicated marriage is. Or how complicated is raising kids. It's not that complicated. The problem is we're not doing it the way God intended it to be done. That's why it's complicated. Because we're listening to doctor this and doctor that. Because we're getting advice from Joe Smith down the street and Harry Tooney down the road and everybody else that's giving us advice. We're not listening to the one person that knows us better than anyone else. We're not applying the principles because they don't sit well in our culture and they don't feel good in our society and they don't make me fit in like everybody else. And okay, but you would rather, you'd rather substitute convenience and comfort on your part for chaos and confusion. You take the chaos and confusion because you want the comfort, because you want to fit in. Let me tell you something. As a believer, you may not always fit into the world in which we live, and you won't if you truly know Christ and have given your life to him. But let me tell you this. 
You'll know something about stability and peace. Your marriage will be stronger. Your relationships will be stronger because you'll be acting out according to the word of God, not according to someone else's opinion or their ideology or philosophy. Stability in your life. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Man, when you got God guiding your feet, telling you take this step and no, don't, no, 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 not that one, go over here. No, not that one, go over there. You got God guiding your steps. Let me tell you, you end up in the right place. Confusion. If you got a, a home of confusion, there's no stability in your home. You got a marriage with confusion, don't tell me that you've got a strong marriage. It's on the brink of chaos, it's on the brink of destruction. Listen, you got to get it back where it belongs. Serenity. See that? Look behind you. Somebody's telling me that it's time to quit. You ever, hey guys, can you shut those off, please? You ever been to a theater and it's an intermission? And all of a sudden they blink the lights in the, to let you know it's time to go back in. That's actually what they're saying. Hold on, we got another 30 minutes. No, I'm teasing. I'm, I'm joking, okay? I'm just joking. The scon- yeah, the sconches, guys. That, thank you, that, that's better. I, I was having a hard time concentrating with those blinking lights. It took me back to that rubber room. But anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I've, I've totally lost track. So, good. We've done the first two points. We're set. Now, let's go to the third one, right? Because we're, we're running out of time, obviously. Before it's over with, all the lights will be out. <laughs> simplicity promises success. I'm telling you, simplicity promises success. It's the result of simplicity. When you, when you make your life simple, you will have a successful life. You make your marriage simple, it will be a successful marriage. Make your child-rearing simple, it'll be... It's not complicated. We make it complicated. But when it's simple, the result of that is success. Not only do we find serenity, not only do we we find stability, but we find success in simplicity. Turn to Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. All the way in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 6. Now, I don't know about you, but these guys are getting ready to go into the promised land. And Moses, the great leader, has now had to travel up Mount Pisgah, gets a view of the promised land, but it's not permitted in the promised land because he struck the rock twice instead of speaking to it. I don't have time to go into all that. But all of a sudden now we've got Joshua that is in charge of this mass of people, and God has given him the instruction, and he obviously, he told Moses even to encourage Joshua in taking them across, to encourage him, meaning give him confidence that he can do it, and, and with, with my help, he can do it. You make sure you tell him that, Moses, and boy, I tell you, he did, and now here's Joshua. He's got to face right off the bat a city called Nineveh with these thick walls, a very fortified city. I don't know about you, but it would seem rather complicated to take over the leadership of this nation. Millions of people depending on your leadership, millions of people depending on you to protect them and keep them safe and to take them safely into the promised land, them and their families. Man, that's complicated. And now we face this walled city. You're supposed to take it, you're to destroy it, and you're to keep moving forward in your quest for the promised land, Joshua. And I'm sure he's like, wow, this is a big undertaking. Oh, man, what am I going to do? 
Well, I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to obey the Lord. Watch what happens here again. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Once again, God seems to bring everything into focus. He brings clarity to the situation. He says, now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. The city locked its doors. Nobody was allowed in or out because the children of Israel had come into their, their space. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor, and ye shall compass the city, and ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up, every man straight before him. Now, the instructions received from God were not complicated, were they? I don't know about you, but I'd have been very tempted to say, God, do you know what you're talking about? I'm going to walk around the city... One time each day for six days. And then on the seventh day, I'm going to walk around seven times. I'm going to blow a trumpet. I'm going to shout. And the walls are coming down. Serious? I'd have, you know what? I'd have probably went to bed fretting and worrying and concerned about what's going to happen. Is it going to happen the way God said? I mean, that seems too simple to me. But that's exactly what God did. He brought tremendous success in what? Simplicity. God didn't make it complicated. He made it so simple. It'd be by Joshua's simple obedience to God. That God would ultimately do a miraculous work and provide a supernatural victory. Do you know that every time we obey God, we win? I'm not saying it'll be easy every time. I'm not saying there won't be some things that are going to go awry. But you obey God, and I promise you, you'll end up successful. You'll make it. I'm not talking about financially successful. I'm not talking about you'll be the head of a company, a growing uh, CEO, a company, a CEO of a growing company. That's not what I'm talking about. You will have successful marriage. You can have successful life. You can be successful parents. You can have a successful relationship with other people. You can have a successful ministry in the sense that you're reaching people and serving others and being obedient to the call of Christ and the cause of Christ. You can have all that. See, simplicity promises success. It's going to happen. Success is a good thing. It's godly success that we want, though. Good success that we need. You say, I can be successful without God. Yeah, but you won't do it without the chaos and confusion that comes with a heart filled with the world. you got to get the world out. you got to focus on one person, and that's Jesus Christ. you got to allow Him to be number one in your life. you got to be more concerned about what He thinks and what He feels and what His perspective is than anyone else's. you got to care what He thinks about you more than what anybody else thinks. But you, I'll tell you what, simplicity is a wonderful thing. We talked about the reasons for it. We talked about uh, the, the recipe. Now you just need to understand there are tremendous results. And those results are serenity, stability, and success in your life. You can have those things. But you can't have them in the chaos and the confusion of a wicked, sinful heart or a wicked, sinful lifestyle. You can't have them without the Lord Jesus Christ as a believer. 
I'm telling you, if you're lost today without Christ, if you don't know for sure heaven's your home, you've never invited Jesus into your life, friend, you are missing out on such peace. I cannot even explain it. You're missing out on such stability in your life. You're missing out on such successes that God would have you to have. God wants the very best for you, and you find it in Jesus Christ. He wants that for you because he loves you. And as believers, it's up to us whether we'll return the love in a sense. May God help us to be devoted and committed to the Lord Jesus. Because in so doing, we will find the simplicity that we need in our life. Because he'll give us instruction as he does here, even to Joshua. Even in the most difficult situations, whether it's a jail cell, whether it's a walled city, whether it's navigating through a minefield of toys, (laughs) I'm telling you, the Lord will give us a peace and serenity a stability and a success that only he can grant. But it begins and ends with him. It begins and ends with him. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the great I am. May God help us. And if you don't know Christ today as your Savior and Lord, I promise you that he wants you to. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how badly you believe you disappointed everybody in your life. It doesn't matter whether you think God would, would, should be done with you or finished with you. He is not finished with you, friend. He loves you today. You need to come to him because he's a good God and a wonderful creator. and He's an awesome savior. And he loves you and he wants to be there for you. I didn't say it would all be easy, peaches and cream, a bed of roses. I didn't say that. But you'll never go through it alone again if you have him as your Savior and Lord. He'll be right there with you the whole way. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for your time.